Stanley Park closing due to extreme fire risk. This is the first time for this type of closure. And BC brings in new measures to combat the heat wave and keep you safe. Long lineups for long weekend travel. Trying to get anywhere I think today is a big challenge. Tips for smooth sailing and how to get where you're going safely. And people living on the edge. Take a lot of cool pictures as a plan. Too many risking their lives for the perfect social media post. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off today. And we start with breaking news and that fast moving wildfire in Manning Park, just as hundreds, maybe even thousands, head there for the long weekend. The Fat Dog Creek fire is highly visible from the highway and has forced a partial closure of the park. There is no access to it right now on the north side of Highway 3 from the Cascade parking area to the east gate. Blackwall and Lookout roads are also closed, as are a number of trails in the area. But trails and facilities on the west side of the Cascade parking area are still open, as is the Manning Park Resort and the Hampton Campground. There are still, or there is still, also access to the lake and to boat rentals. But, I don't, but based on what we're being told, we have nothing to worry about. The way the wind is blowing, the current and projected weather patterns all say that we should be safe. Uh, you know, Mother Nature can uh, change that in a hurry, but right now, based on the advice that we've been given, we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable right now. We stopped at, what is, Hope, Hope, Hope Slide. Slide. It was so was smoky. It was like we got out of the car and we felt like right away, you know, the smoke like went into our, like, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. There were a number of hikers and campers in the Buckhorn backcountry campsite area, but all of them, we're told, have been safely evacuated. Now to the Incomeep wildfire, which continues to grow and is now estimated at 13,000 hectares. That's about 130 square miles, though heavy smoke has prevented accurate mapping. The growth is on the north and northeastern flanks. Fire behavior is expected to increase into the night. Structure protection crews are staying overnight in the Shrike subdivision in Oliver. Crews are also working to protect structures and remove fuels at Mount Baldy Resort, Anarchist Mountain. Uh, and it also has a structure protection in place at Anarchist Mountain. Additional financial support is on the way for people who lost their homes and properties in the Lytton Creek wildfire. The B.C. government is teaming up with the Red Cross to give households a one-time $2,000 payment. In addition, all other households in B.C. under mandatory evacuation order for longer than 10 consecutive days will be able to receive a one-time payment of $1,200. Meanwhile, the Lytton Creek wildfire continues to burn, and it's still considered out of control. Increased fire behavior is expected in the coming days. It now covers more than 47,000 hectares. Another fire concern, this one a lot closer to a home as the south coast deals with soaring temperatures. Kristen Robinson is in Stanley Park for us tonight with the details and uh, Kristen this really is an unprecedented move that officials are taking here. That's right, Chris, and it's all due to BC's biggest concern right now, which is the heat, whether it be forest fires in Stanley Park or the interior or the risk to everyone's personal safety. Now, right here in Vancouver's Crown Jewel, it's so hot and dry here, the park will actually be shut down overnight due to the extreme risk of a fire igniting. 
For those at home, B.C.'s public safety minister doesn't want the second heat wave of the summer to be a repeat of the first one. The B.C. coroner confirming late today that 569 people died between June 20th and July 29th as a result of the extreme heat. The majority of them were over 60 years old. This time, the province says it's all hands on deck. Over the past week, Emergency Management BC has been working with local communities and First Nations to ensure they have the support that they need. This includes reimbursements for cooling centres that have targeted support for vulnerable British Columbians. People should plan ahead, find out how you can spend time in a cool or air-conditioned place. While heat can harm anyone, older adults and, younger ch and children younger than five years old are particularly vulnerable to the effects of a heat wave. So I encourage all British Columbians to check with one another, especially on those people you know are living alone. It's extremely dry um, and it wouldn't take much. Um, and, and right now some of our concerns are simple things as just cigarette butts being thrown around um, or people doing barbecues or taking things like that into the park. But after hours, um, you know, it could go uh, perhaps too long before it's detected and by then it could be something that's, you know, severe. Now, as you mentioned, the, it's the first time Stanley Park will be closed overnight due to the fire risk. Starting tonight, the park will be shut down from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. daily until the risk of a catastrophic fire is reduced. Park rangers will be patrolling five access points, turning around anyone who doesn't have an essential reason to be here. Now, when it comes to a potential spike in heat-related illnesses, as temperatures soar through the weekend, Health Minister Adrian Dix says BC's ambulance service and hospitals are prepared. Chris? All right, Kristen, and a good reminder to be careful in there during the daylight hours, too. Thanks very much for that. Now, for more on the heat, we'll bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell, who has a look at how hot it will get over the weekend as well as information on a new air quality advisory, Yvonne. Yeah, heat warning will still remain in effect. Now, along the south coast, this will likely extend all the way in towards tomorrow. That'll likely be the peak of the heat. But for the interior, we'll continue to see those temperatures soaring into the upper 30s, and that'll take us in towards our Monday morning. A quick snapshot of we can anticipate once again for tomorrow, especially away from the water, low 30s for most areas, with the Humidex even warmer. And for the interior with the Humidex, it'll be pushing closer to 40 degrees. Now, in addition to the heat, we've got an air quality advisory that has been issued for the eastern areas of Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley all included within that. It's due to the hot and sunny weather and we've got high concentrations of ground level ozone and we are also going to see smoky skies so it'll be hazy as we get in towards the weekend for both days so far. Now we've gone 45 days without precipitation much needed relief is on the way we'll be tracking some wet weather, I'll have more on that coming up on the timeline very shortly Chris. Okay, look forward to that thanks very much Yvonne and here's another reminder to keep children away from open windows in this heat. A two-year-old boy got a very lucky break after falling from a third-floor window in Langley this morning. An advanced life support paramedic crew was called out to a townhouse near 204th Street and 82nd Avenue just before 10.30. The child was rushed to hospital, but after being checked over, it's been determined he suffered no serious injuries. Still, he'll remain in hospital for observation. This long weekend is normally the busiest travel weekend of the year, particularly for B.C. ferries. But many passengers are still being surprised by just how long the waits have been on the popular Vancouver Island routes. Not just today, but really since Thursday. John Waugh joins us now from Tawasson with the details. And John, those waits are expected to persist through tomorrow, too. 
Yeah, that's right, Chris. And now we're hearing that people might not have that much luck until Sunday. So add that on the top of the fact that people were waiting in line for hours under the sweltering sun. Some missed sailings despite having reservations. And at one point, a ferry crew even got caught up in the causeway traffic, which caused scheduling delays. It's safe to say this is not how people hope to ease into the long weekend. For anyone who thinks the early bird gets an automatic sailing, has never tried BC ferries during a long weekend without a reservation. It's going to be crazy. I found out it was booked solid and I was like, oh my God. The ferry company had warned customers the BC day long weekend is their busiest time of the year. But even seasoned travelers were shocked to see popular sailings like Tawasin to Swartz Bay sold out until Sunday. Not to mention lines that seemed never ending. I am surprised to see the lineup way back on the causeway. This is the first time I've seen it like this. If I have to turn around, I don't know. We're still here sitting out here waiting to go through the ticket booth, so I'm not sure that's good planning on the BC Ferries part. Even one crew got caught up in the traffic bottleneck as people inched forward trying to get on board. Crew on the Queen of Alberni had difficulty getting through the traffic on the causeway to report to their uh, for their ship this morning, so that ship was delayed. At Horseshoe Bay, the situation is slightly better, but not by much. What might be making matters worse, people putting the brakes on previous plans to travel to the interior. But with the wildfires, they've changed their plans, and now they're heading over to Vancouver Island. BC Ferry says adding more sailings to meet the extra demand just isn't an option. You have to keep in mind, uh, we only have so many crew, and the crew does need a certain number of hours to rest before they can come back to work. Still sitting around in the sweltering sun, not the start to the long weekend many were expecting. I'm really excited. We're going on a big family trip, but this wait is really annoying because we're sitting out here in the burning hot sun. Customers are being asked to try and wait until Sunday to make the trip. But that likely takes the wind out of the sails of any long weekend plans. Now, BC Ferry says its best advice is to leave the car behind and try to board as a foot passenger. But for anyone who is lucky enough to drive on to a ferry tonight from Sawasan to Vancouver Island, the second half of that equation is they've got to come back. And we've been told sailings from Swartz Bay and Duke Point back to Sawasan are pretty much sold out for Monday. Chris? Oh, not what a lot of travelers are going to want to hear. Okay, thanks very much, John. The B.C. interior is driving yet another day of high COVID-19 numbers in our province. We have 243 new COVID-19 cases. 131 of those cases are in the interior. Some good news, though, we do not have any deaths to report today. 47 people are in hospital, 16 are in the ICU. There are more than 1,200 active cases now. More than 81% of people 12 and up have received their first dose of vaccine and nearly 65% are fully immunized. In the meantime, it's now easier to get your vaccine in one interior city. A pop-up COVID clinic was in business in Kelowna today. I think it's just way better. I think it just like makes it more accessible to just like people around Kelowna. That way we get, it. We get more people vaccinated. <laughs> I had my second dose scheduled for a bit later, but then I saw that the pop-up was here, so I decided just to come and get it right away, especially because the cases are um, higher right now. I still want to keep working, and um, yeah, it'll keep me working. The clinic is a partnership between the Downtown Kelowna Association, Interior Health, and the Kelowna Yacht Club. It's one of many clinics Interior Health is hosting as part of the province's Vax for BC campaign. 
Interior Health has noticed increased interest in vaccination since the localized outbreak was declared for the central Okanagan. They found many of those getting sick recently have been young people, often working in the hospitality and service sectors. We wanted to just be in a place where um, those folks are and uh, give them the opportunity to just walk in and get immunized with either their first dose or their second dose. The pop-up clinic will be open every day from 3 to 7 p.m. until August 4th. And health officials took advantage of those crowds at the Tawasin Ferry Terminal today to try to boost B.C.'s COVID-19 vaccination rate. Two mobile vaccine buses were set up at the ferry terminal, allowing those 12 and up to get their first or second dose on board the air-conditioned vehicles. No appointment necessary. We've heard from health officials that at this point of the pandemic, what we need to see are these pop-up clinics to make it as easy as possible for people to get their COVID-19 vaccines. We've been able to go anywhere, to beaches, to shopping malls, and we're actually heading out to Cineplex in Coquitlam next week. We've got lots of different events planned all week, so we would just encourage you to look on the Fraser Health webpage and see where our next event is. But otherwise, come on down and uh, we would happy to give you your vaccine. Along with regional events, Vax for BC will hold its first province-wide walk-in Wednesday next week with the goal of administering 20,000 doses that day alone. Violent crime is officially on the rise in the city of Victoria. Statistics Canada released its Crime Severity Index, which measures police-reported crime in cities across the country. And as Kylie Stanton reports, BC's capital city is well above the provincial average. From window smashed and graffiti sprees to homicides and Harbour Ferry joy rides. This is so fun. All of it boiled down to one number, the Crime Severity Index. And in 2020, Victoria came in at 168. So when we look at this figure, we really think about the strain and the ability of our officers to contribute to community safety. The statistic measures the impact of crime on communities by tracking both the volume and severity of the police-reported crime in the country. Victoria's 168 was even higher than Vancouver at 105. That said, Duncan, Port Hardy and Tofino all topped the capital on Vancouver Island, as did several other BC cities like Hope, Prince George, Smithers, Prince Rupert and Penticton. But all were well above the provincial average of 96. And while it may not be surprising to officers on the front lines, that doesn't seem to be the case for residents. I haven't really noticed. I think it's, it's been about the same. And my family, my friends, nobody's had a problem. I feel pretty safe in Victoria. This was the first year Stats Canada separated the Victoria and Esquimalt figures. Esquimalt. Uh, of course came in at 39 so much much lower that number would have previously kept victoria's lower as well now on its own officers say it magnifies what's existed all along the growing homeless population making up the majority of the calls for the six months that we tracked it those were uh, well over 50 percent of our priority one and priority two calls for service but advocates say so many of those calls could be better handled by outreach workers and investments in those kinds of services would benefit everyone involved the people that we're dealing with have had so much trauma with the police that when the police do show up it escalates the situation. Well, I think it really shows the need for 
some alternatives for some of these um, situations. The police, on the other hand, are calling for more resources in the form of a regionalized force to help create a more balanced approach across Greater Victoria. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. And Victoria Police, as if to demonstrate the point, had their hands full today dealing with a huge overload in calls. They say at one point they had nearly 60 calls waiting in their queue for an available officer. Some callers were experiencing waits of as much as 50 hours for police to get back to them. Response times are being hampered by the fact that many of the officers were assigned to two protests in the city today. We see that as a customer service issue, and it's just something that we want the public, our community to know uh, when they are wondering why the police haven't shown up for that fraud or theft or what we would consider a lower priority call as we are spending the bulk of our time uh, responding to priority one and priority two calls. Police are asking that you be patient and they say that they will get to all of the calls as soon as possible. People risking their lives for the perfect post. BC Hydro issues a warning with so many people climbing great heights just for a picture that they want to share on social media. That's next on the News Hour. The CDC sounds the alarm about the Delta COVID variant, what they're learning about just how contagious it is coming up. Right now, though, British Columbians are increasingly risking their lives in the pursuit of the perfect selfie. And according to BC Hydro, many of the incidents are taking place on the Crown Corporation's abandoned sites. Paul Johnson has more on the daredevil trespassers putting themselves in danger for more likes on social media. Here's a new test of the idea that common sense is actually common. Climbing transmission towers, going into restricted areas, swimming out of bounds at our dam and wreck sites. We've known for years that the combination of thrill-seeking and social media can lead to tragic yet predictable outcomes. In British Columbia, BC Hydro's province-spanning network of towers, dams and major infrastructure has become a tantalizing draw for those with a questionable commitment to keeping their DNA in the gene pool. We had an individual take a selfie with a live wire behind them for Instagram. Last year, um, we had an incident in North Van where the people were having a party underneath a transmission tower uh, and they actually climbed the transmission tower and were taking photos. BC Hydro spokesperson Susie Reeder says the astonishing level of foolishness prompted them to launch an actual study of the problem this spring where they found a 200% increase in trespassing in their facilities and a good number of those who did so apparently were doing it to put it on social media. The numbers don't tell the whole story. These incidents are probably a lot more common staircase that goes down here. Some of the material seen by Global News appears fairly tame. These men filmed their exploration of an old building on Vancouver Island. While BC Hydro isn't greenlighting that, what they're most worried about is people swimming their damn spillways and climbing on their equipment. In the age of the selfie, the only thing better than being reckless is showing the world just how reckless you are. Paul Johnson, Global News. Just ahead, COVID protection that comes with a price. The government said to get that first shot in you. How people who got the mix and match vaccines are cruising for trouble when they try to travel. 
and a helping hand. How long the federal government is extending its COVID benefits. It's busy on Highway 1 eastbound through Vancouver due to this two-car collision. One vehicle over to the right shoulder and the very end of the First Avenue on-ramp to eastbound Highway 1 is blocked. And then the other vehicle is in the center lane just east of First Avenue. At least two tow trucks are on scene, but delays from mid-span on the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge as a result. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. In Global One above Highway 1, I'm the special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. The federal government is extending COVID 19 benefits and business supports for an extra 30 days amid reopening delays and concerns about the spread of the Delta variant. Finance Minister Christopher Freeland and Employment Minister Carla Quattro announcing the eligibility period for Canada's emergency wage and rent subsidies and lockdown support will be extended to October 23rd. The Canada Recovery, Recovery Caregiving and Recovery Sickness benefits will also be extended to that date. From the government's perspective, it is essential to do everything we can to be sure the country's economic recovery is fast and robust and that no one is left behind. $300 a week CRB will be available for a maximum of 54 weeks for those who've exhausted their employment insurance benefits. As countries around the world reopen their borders to international travel, more and more Canadians are hoping to vacation abroad. But as Travis Lowe reports, Canadians who received mixed vaccinations are finding out that in many places their vaccine passport isn't valid. For my first shot, I got the AstraZeneca. Michael Tremblay is just one of millions of Canadians. My second shot, I went with Moderna. With the mixed-dose vaccine blues. The government said to get that first shot in you. But while Tremblay's mixed vaccine passport is preventing him from contracting COVID-19. We're seafarers. We love cruising. It's also preventing him and his wife from their favorite form of traveling. We looked into this uh, princess cruise. Uh, it's called the Western Eastern Adventure in the Caribbean. And we booked it. Only to find out later that Princess Cruise's vaccine policy won't allow for mixed vector vaccines and mRNA vaccines. Their policy states, in accordance with health authority guidance, guests who have received one single dose of a vector vaccine, AstraZeneca, and one single dose of an mRNA vaccine, Pfizer-BioNTech or Moderna, will not be considered fully vaccinated. It's a policy that Tremblay and many other Canadians can't get on board with. This has only been an issue for the past couple of weeks that we started to hear about the fact that some cruise lines may not accept uh, mixed doses. However, Global News travel advisor Claire Newell is confident that the situation will be cleared up shortly. I am a person who has mixed doses myself. I have the same mix, AstraZeneca and Moderna. I'm not rushing to get a third dose. Uh, I do think that that the science will speak for itself. I mean, the efficacy that has been shown in tests is good 
for this type of mix. So I hope that in time that this will resolve itself. So does Trombley. But for now, the West Kelowna man is taking this opportunity to inform the mixed vaccine public about what they may face when they set sail from the United States, where the AstraZeneca vaccine has not been approved by the FDA. I hope that there's some uh, government bodies that are, are going to hear this and they're going to step up to the plate and, and you know, have this rectified. Trombley has until October for things to change with the policy before he has to pay the balance of the bill for the Princess Cruise. If not, he says that Princess may just lose a loyal customer. Travis Lowe, Global News, West Kelowna. And coming up, Delta driving America's fourth wave. This Delta variant that we're seeing now changes the game. Health experts and governments react to a leaked report from the CDC showing just how contagious the virus is becoming. And virtual health care keeping emergency services operating in parts of rural B.C. Good evening. This is a view of Clark Drive from First Avenue looking north. This weekend, crews are going to be milling and paving Clark Drive between First Avenue and Hastings. So you can expect delays both directions. Right now, there are some areas where the right lane is blocked off uh, both directions. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. In Global One, above First and Clark, I'm Amber Belzer. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is sounding a new alarm about the latest COVID-19 surge in America. In a leaked document first obtained by the Washington Post, the CDC says officials need to, quote, acknowledge the war has changed when it comes to fighting the Delta variant. New cases of COVID-19 are exploding in 35 states, mostly among the unvaccinated. Jennifer Johnson has the latest. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is warning federal officials to change course in the war against COVID-19 because of the highly transmissible Delta variant, saying the strain is more contagious than chickenpox and makes people much sicker than previously thought. The situation is dire. This Delta variant that we're seeing now changes the game from my perspective. The leaked document also included unpublished data showing fully vaccinated people might spread the Delta variant at the same rate as the unvaccinated. If you allow the virus to freely circulate because so many people are unvaccinated, you give it yet again another opportunity to mutate even more. The leak comes less than 24 hours after President Joe Biden ordered all 2 million federal employees show proof of vaccination or be subjected to wearing masks and weekly or bi-weekly COVID-19 tests. I need a vaccination card in your hands. As new cases of the virus skyrocket across the country, more businesses and large gatherings are also requiring vaccine proof or recent negative COVID-19 tests, including those attending Broadway shows and this weekend's outdoor music festival in Chicago. If they didn't have those restrictions in there, I'd be a lot less likely to go. The new rules are having an effect. California saw its most vaccinations in three weeks after the governor announced Monday new vaccine requirements for state employees. But convincing everyone to get the shot is proving difficult, even those on the front lines. I do not trust the CDC. Absolutely not. Currently, one in four healthcare workers in the U.S. remains unvaccinated. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. It's being called a game changer in health matters tonight. Medical doctors making themselves available 24-7 
to remote communities in B.C. As Jennifer Palmer reports, the real-time virtual support program is helping to keep ERs open and retain medical talent. Good morning. This is Jen at the Atlin Health Center. Um, do you have a few minutes? I have a patient I'd like to consult with you on. Uh, absolutely. We're available all the time. That's why we love you. A game changer for rural community health care. Virtual doctors offering real-time support 24-7 at the push of a button. Been enhancing our practice and enhancing the lives of our community just on a daily basis pretty much. The community of Atlin is benefiting from the real-time virtual support program or RTVS that launched in April of 2020. Atlin is in northern BC. Whitehorse is the closest large community to it and more than 170 kilometers away. When it's almost 500 residents need care, they can have a hard time getting access to doctors and specialists. Factors for, for bleeding, you know, bleed. At this time, Nurse Strong was speaking with Dr. Petrie in Kelowna. Normally, she'd call the ER in Whitehorse, then be put in a queue to have a doctor return her call when possible. With RTVS, it's instant. So we're going down the hallway to the emergency. The program is also providing an opportunity to retain and attract doctors to smaller centers and helping to keep ERs open. You know, whether it's a new grad that we that we can help, you know, support, you know, through uncertain times, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we're even uh, currently helping to support an understaffed uh, rural emergency department where they would close otherwise. Virtual doctors also help tackle the problem of traveling from a remote area when someone needs care, letting a patient stay home. Really this is just an attempt to to provide that address equity in how care and support both for patients and healthcare professionals looks in the 21st century. Currently, there are 200 doctors taking part in RTVS, but there's room for growth to make sure everyone can access care, no matter what time of day it is or where they live from Atlin to Haida Gwaii or Fort Nelson. We want to be the person that does not pass the buck. In fact, we are here to help, and if we can't do it, we'll find the person who will help you. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Coming up, one of the greatest names in hockey back in the game. Hi, my name is Robert Orr, a.k.a. Bobby Orr. What he says about sharing a name with one of the best to ever play later. Also tonight, why Duncan's famous town crier is losing his job. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The city of Duncan is officially retiring the position of town crier. Hear ye, hear ye, the city of Duncan and Cowichan to welcome Global BC to our fair region. We featured town crier Ben Boss in 2013 when the News Hour went on the road and did a road show in Duncan. The city says with increased awareness of historical injustices, there was a need to reevaluate the practices and symbolism of the past, and that includes the city ambassador which has been represented by a town crier since 1995. The city has plans to create a new city ambassador role in the future, and hopefully Ben gets his name in on that. Thank you very much for that road trip way back then. That was a lot of fun. 
All right, not so much fun for anyone out in the heat over the weekend. And uh, also we're hearing that air quality could go down the drain too, Yvonne. Yeah, we're going to have some smoke moving it across uh, along the south coast. We'll have hazy conditions, so we are keeping a close eye as we get in towards the weekend. We do have some rain in the forecast, and the timeline is going to come up in just a moment. Heat is on, though. Here's a quick glance of our current temperatures. We can see it on the left and then the Humidex. What it feels like is the temperature that's sitting on the right-hand side. So out of the airport feels like 34, areas near Hope 40 right now. Abbotsford and towards the Fraser Valley at 39 and areas near Pitt Meadows touching at 37. Similar as we get in towards tomorrow, we do have some cloud cover, maybe a touch cooler, but we're still going to have the heat warning that is in effect in areas along the coast into the low 30s. Our overnight lows will be into the upper teens and it's areas in towards the interior. We'll see that temperature pushing closer to 40 degrees. Now our smoke forecast for tomorrow, we've got that haze moving in along the south coast. We've got widespread smoke still in towards the interior. So those with respiratory issues, if possible, try and spend a limited amount of time outdoors. Now, here's a quick glance at the air quality health index, what it's currently sitting at. Areas in blue, that's at low, but it's the eastern areas and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley that are sitting at medium. And that's what we'll be watching. And that's what we have as we get in towards both days out of the weekend so far. Now, the long range, very important. Sunday and leading in towards Monday, that's where we have the best chance for some rainfall. It'll be in towards the interior. The concern and the timeline, though, as we get in towards our Monday, we could see the risk of thunderstorms for the interior. And then a look ahead, it's still a few days out along the south coast. It'll be Wednesday and leading towards Thursday. Much needed, 45 days and counting that we're looking at the chance for some showers for Metro Vancouver. Now, the northern half of the province, it's inland, hot, sunny, temperatures into the low 30s. The southern interior will continue to see the heat all the way in towards Monday morning. A heads up along the south coast. We've got a very slight chance to see an isolated shower. We could even see a slight risk of a thunderstorm and that'll be for tomorrow morning hot and sunny though and then a reprieve as we get in towards our wednesday thursday so big forecast and a lot to look forward to as we get in towards the long range now tonight's weather window great shot this was a sunset taken in green lake yesterday by robin chris it's been a good summer up in green lake lots of good photos from there all right thanks very much before we bring squire in Dozens of top hockey prospects were picked in last week's NHL draft, but none of them stood out uh, like this guy. Not just for his talents on the ice, but for his name. Dan Spector has the story behind the new Bobby Orr. People living in Montreal's West Island may not even be aware, but one of the biggest names in hockey is among them. Hi, my name is Robert Orr, a.k.a. Bobby Orr. You heard right, this is Bobby Orr. No, he's clearly not a 73-year-old Hockey Hall of Famer from Parry Sound, Ontario, but he is a hockey player and was right here with his family last week when he got the biggest news of his young life. You just can't describe the feeling. It was an incredible feeling, and it's I just can't put it into words. Bobby Orr was selected 136th overall in the NHL draft by the Carolina Hurricanes. He grew up in Beaconsfield, west of Montreal, and quickly got into the same line of work as his legendary distant relative, even wearing the same number. But he is not named after him. My father was Robert Orr, and he went by Bob, and so right out of the, right out of the womb, Bobby became Bobby. Shot they score! Bobby Orr! The 17-year-old forward got 15 goals and 17 assists for the Halifax Mooseheads of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League last season. His play got him drafted, but his name is generating lots of talk. Well, I mean, obviously growing up, um, I didn't really see it as a big deal as it is now, and 
Um, since I've joined the Mooseheads, it's kind of been going viral. John Orr's father, Bob Orr, never really cared that he shared a name with a legend. For us growing up, Bobby Orr, we were big Habs fan. Bobby Orr was the enemy. Bobby even has an autographed picture from the all-time great that reads to Bobby Orr from Bobby Orr. But now he wants to carve out his own path with number 88. I'm my own Bobby Orr and I'm my own person and um, I have my own expectations in, in life and in my career and um, I'm not trying to fill in anyone's shoes and I'm just trying to fill in my own. Orr knows his work has just begun and making the NHL is no sure thing. But he and his family believe he has the work ethic and dedication to make his own name. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. All right, here's Squire now with a look ahead to sports. So the countdown to the Whitecaps' first home game is on. Yes, and then they get to play the rest of them at the BC Place. Oh, the home game tomorrow is back in Salt Lake City. Final time they're going to do that. Okay, for over a month there have been rumors that the Whitecaps are close to signing Scottish midfielder Ryan Gold to big money. And judging by this Twitter video of Axel Schuster putting Scotland's favorite soda iron brew on his desk is a sign that that is about to be official. Love those iron brew commercials and more great ones coming up and a long weekend edition of Satellite Debris as well. Stick around for that. Whitecaps fans have been waiting for a big signing. Nice tie. Some good friend must have given you that. He did. He's one of my BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> For quite a while, the Vancouver Whitecaps have been rumored to have outbid a number of European teams for Scottish midfielder Ryan Gold, but the logistics and the hoops they had to jump through took time. Now it looks like the official announcement will come tomorrow, and he could be with the Whitecaps in a uniform and playing as early as August 8th against the Galaxy, but he's not the only new player expected to get to Vancouver soon. The Whitecaps have been playing better of late, but there's an optimism that things will be much improved once they get Max Cropo and Lucas Cavallini back from the Gold Cup, and then hopefully within a couple of weeks, the long-awaited arrival of Scotsman Ryan Gauld and Ecuadorian Pedro Vite, a pair of talented attacking midfielders who could provide the Whitecaps offense what they're really missing. What they could bring is uh, different options in the final third, different variations with the last pass, different qualities in the, the final third, and, and, and these players are going to bring qualities that are very different from what we have, so um, it's going to allow us to, to grow in that part of the game. But don't expect instant results. As talented as Gauld and whoever else drops into Vancouver can be, adjusting to MLS and a new city and teammates does take time. Sometimes it's not spoken about enough because, again, it's not a video game where you take a player, you put him and go. Uh, there's an adaptation to methodology of training to a different place, different teammates. Some adapt quite quick. Others, it takes a few months. Just trying to get on the same page with guys day by day is, you know, is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. So it's been great to come to a facility like this and really, you know, put some roots down and really uh, get those relationships right on the field. But the Caps know they need a huge push over the final half of the season to make up for having to play all those home games in Salt Lake. They are welcoming any kind of help, especially ones with talent. I think for the team, it does is good, you know. To, that, that, that's what makes us better or make the team better. 
challenge, you know, we have a good players, you know. We all fight for one place. That's, that's, the, you know, that's what can make us uh, better, for sure. Tomorrow's game against Minnesota will be the Whitecaps' last home away from home home game. Uh, they'll play it in Salt Lake, and then after that, BC Place will be their home again. Uh, the game starts at 7, pregame show is 6 o'clock on AM 7.30. Speaking of home, look who's Blue home Jays in Toronto. The Blue Jays are finally back in their building after, I think, 670 days away. The managers never look good running onto the field, do they? It always looks like their pants are too tight. Teoscar Hernandez, this is a home run at home. Finally, a true home run. Made it 1-0 for Toronto in the second inning. Then uh, George Springer finally gets to show his new fans what he can do. Doubles in. Randall Gritchick, that made it 2-0. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as Bo Bichette wants to eat Toronto dirt. And he does. And it tastes marvelous. 6-3, Toronto leads. Look at this. Speaking of Toronto, Joey Votto, the Canadian. Ontario boy for the seventh straight game has hit a home run. That's incredible. He is now one short of the major league record. Nine homers in seven games. Nine of his last ten hits are home runs. How about this yesterday? I love the Canadian flags on the oars. The Canadian rowing eight team winning the gold medal and four of those ladies are from BC, Lisa Roman, Andrea Prosky, Madison Maley, and Avalon Wastanese. Way to go. And this is our uh, soccer team, which yesterday won in a shootout, actually this morning, won in a shootout against Brazil. That means we are now in the semifinals, and the game will be 1 a.m. our time on Monday against the U.S. If we win that game, we go to the gold medal final. If we lose that game, we go to the bronze medal final. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. We're back with Satellite Debris next. All right, heading into a long weekend, let's end it on a high note. Okay, we'll start with uh, two commercials from Mass Mutual Insurance. Come on, Caleb, you got this! And if you don't, there are other options! Good eye, good eye! Eyes are good for lots of things, like reading. Be the best, Caleb. Statistically impossible, Caleb. You'll get them next time. Or you won't. Probably won't. And it won't impact your future whatsoever. Talk to us about college planning today. Feel comfortable about tomorrow. Mass Mutual. So who's it going to be? Tom? Could be Danny. <laughs> Guess it's all Maggie. Should we have another one? Talk to us about retirement today. Feel comfortable about tomorrow. Mass Mutual. <laughs> you hit the ball in the rough, and who is there to give you advice on life? None other than Phil Mickelson. Oh, Mickelson, can I ask you something? How do I make friends? Look, Greg, even though I'm a massively successful legend of golf, I'm also a man who sometimes struggles to make friends. I have a 95 calorie Amstelidin. Let's talk. Wow, 
I thought it was just me. Like you know, sometimes I, oh, hold on. Nut nut, you old dog. Yes, I love it. All the dudes. Invite Marcus, Tom, Cam, Smitty, Potter, Tony, Rick, Hansi, Adsky, Bernsey, Luke, the Deacon Brothers. <laughs> That's a good one. I didn't know he could sing. Uh, okay, so uh, we showed a few of these, I think, last year, but France 3, a TV station in, surprisingly, France, has these Olympic pro promos featuring marmots. I watched judo quite intently, but I still have not quite figured out the scoring. <laughs> I, yeah, that and fencing as well, too. There's some yeah, that's like, well, how, how are we scoring this? I mean, I enjoy watching it, but I'm not getting the scoring part. <laughs> Wishing luck to our Canadians still competing. Last word on weather before we go, Yvonne. Still very hot over the weekend. We've got extreme heat with the heat warning that will remain in effect, so be safe. We've even got a slight risk of a thunderstorm for the south coast tomorrow morning. All right. Thanks very much, and thank you for watching, everyone. Have a great long weekend, and... I'll see you back here on Monday.